take your Bible, turn to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6 tonight, uh, it's probably going to be a little bit of a review for some. It'll be uh, a bit more in-depth than most will have ever heard, but tonight we're going to talk about baptism. Baptism, and uh, maybe you'll understand it a little bit better. Romans chapter 6, let's start reading in verse number 1. Romans chapter 6, verse number 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead, keyword there, dead, to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his, what's that next word? Death. Death. Therefore, we are, what's the next word? Buried with him by what? Oh, not by dirt. We're buried by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is free from sin. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more, Death hath no more dominion over him, for in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Now, keep your Bibles open. We're going to use them, but I want to help you tonight. <laughs> Baptism has, was never, ever, 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 ever associated with any organization prior to the church. The word baptism did not begin until after the church. It was the part of the beginning of the church. Now, it had nothing to do with the temple, had nothing to do with the synagogue. It never had anything to be mentioned with in the tabernacle. So none of the, and I'm going to use the word Jewish, and I mean that in a religious way, none of the Jewish religion ever had baptism. It wasn't until Jesus started the church, and we'll get into that, that the word baptism came to being. By the way, baptism is never found as part of salvation. It always follows salvation, but it's never been a part of someone getting saved. It doesn't say, for by grace are you saved through faith and baptized. Never one time. Uh, now, by the way, did you know baptism is never mentioned with the gospel? And it is the gospel that is the power of God unto salvation. So baptism has absolutely nothing to do with being saved. Absolutely nothing. Now, look at Romans chapter 5. Let me show you what I mean. Romans chapter 6 starts talking about baptism, but look at Romans chapter 5, just up a few verses, verse number 19. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered 
that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, what grace did much more abound? That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through the righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. That's salvation. Then notice it goes into next, what shall we say then, brethren? So after salvation, what? And God starts talking about baptism. But it never associates baptism as part of salvation. It's never associated with the gospel itself. Now, let's get into this. We're going to use our Bibles a good bit tonight. Baptism, by biblical definition, by any other definition prior to, uh, and, and I'll, I'll get into that here, but by any biblical definition is a picture of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Baptism is a picture of the death, the burial, and the resurrection. Now watch this. Romans chapter 6, verse number 3. We read it, but let's look at it again. Know ye not that so many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his what? Now let me ask you a question. When someone dies, and they take him to the cemetery... Do they sprinkle dust over them and walk away? Do they take a bucket of dirt and pour over them and walk away? No, they bury them. For a multitude of reasons. But I want you to notice what verse number four says. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. Now look at me. The word baptism... The word baptize is the Greek word baptizo. It means to immerse. It means to totally cover up that tank. Say, well, you're just a deep water Baptist. No, you can't be baptized any other way. Just like you can't be buried by somebody spritzing dirt in your face. You can't be buried by somebody pouring a couple dirt on your head. Nor can you be baptized that way. Now, man's religion says you can, but that's not what the Bible says. God says we are baptized when we are buried with him into his death. Now, I'm not real smart, no comments. But I'm smart enough to know what it means to bury something. Burying means you cover it up. It has to be totally immersed. And the Greek word baptizo is the word to immerse. Turn to Colossians chapter 2. Romans, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Colossians chapter 2, look at verse number 12. Again, I'm not going to use my words. I'm going to let God tell us what he means. Amen? I'm not going to use tradition. I'm going to tell you what God says. Colossians chapter 2, look at verse number 12. Now, what's the first word in verse number 12? Buried with him in what? Oh, buried with him in baptism. 
wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead. Guess what? That's why when we baptize someone, they're to go under the water, buried in the likeness of his death, raised in the likeness of his resurrection. It is a picture of the death, the burial, and resurrection, which is the gospel completed in Jesus that we identified with that, that we've been saved. It does not get us saved. Uh, 34 years ago, my wife and I stood on a platform like this at Lewis Avenue Baptist Church in Temperance, Michigan, and we exchanged our wedding vows. We exchanged rings. I wear that wedding ring. If I take it off, does that mean I'm not married? But people know I'm married because I wear it. That's what baptism is. You can be saved without it, but it lets everybody else know what you've done. It is a public profession. It is a symbol of what you did on the inside. Well, I don't need a ring. No, you don't need one. But she's going to put one in your nose whether you like it or I mean, uh, uh, you're going you're to have one anyway. Uh, but I want you to notice the word buried. Uh, say, well, when did all these other religions start their uh, baptisms other ways? Well, all these religions were never Christian. You have to understand, they've never been part of the truth. Go to Matthew chapter 3. <laughs> Let's do some very interesting and fun things here. Matthew chapter 3. Now, my wife and I were recently just back in Ohio where I grew up. It is heavily Catholic. Um, the, the Italians and the Polacks and, and everybody, and I don't say that as, as a slur. It's just if your name doesn't end in E or Ski, you're in the minority. Uh, and... It, the funniest church in, in Canton, Ohio, is St. John the Baptist Catholic Church. I have yet to figure that one out. Uh, but it's there, right across from Altman Hospital. And I'm like, how did we get that? But I want you to see something here. Let's take the event when Jesus himself was baptized. Go to Matthew chapter 3, look at verse uh, 13. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John... To be baptized of him. Now look at me. Proof that you don't need baptism to get saved. And that baptism is not part of salvation. Did Jesus need to get saved? No. So. If Jesus did it. Then it has nothing to do with salvation. Has everything to do with the church. Now watch this, verse 14. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? And Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it not to be so now. For thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went straightway. What are the next four or three words? Out of the water. Now, let me ask you a question. 
If you're going to get sprinkled, why would you walk down into the water? If you're going to get water poured on your head, why would you walk down into the water? Everybody doing okay? And lo, the heavens were open unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. Lo, a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Now look at me. The baptism of Jesus pleased God. It was an act of obedience, and it's part of church membership. It was the starting of the church. I want you to notice something. The person who baptized Jesus, John the who? Oh, they say that means John the baptizer. No, God didn't change the word. It's John the Baptist, not John the baptizer. Everybody doing okay? If Jesus had to go down into the water to get baptized... I've been in Catholic churches. I was in a giant Catholic church in Monterey, Mexico. Been in one in Chihuahua City, Mexico. I've been uh, a couple others in my life preaching on the steps, but uh, taping tracks to Mother Mary, uh, other things. But every one of them have a picture of Jesus standing in ankle deep water with somebody pouring water on his head. No, he went down into the water. He came back up out of the water. He was buried in the water. Now, the word baptize is the Greek, which means to immerse. It is a symbol. Now, listen to me very carefully here. When God says, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm treading lightly because I preach so hard against some things, but there's a reason I do. I'm not for symbology. But when God says something is a symbol, I take it seriously. Does that make sense? Yes, well, one is the number of unity and two is the, this number. Seven is the, I don't play that game. God doesn't say that. I don't get into all these types and things. Well, brass is a type of judgment. If God said it, okay. But unless God said it, I know this in a parable. He said the seed is the word. Okay, then seed and the word is a, is a picture. God said it. Past that, forget it. But I know this, baptism is a symbol. And the symbols uh, that God puts in order, he wants done rightly. He doesn't want it changed. He doesn't want it done man's way. He wants it done his way. Uh, We are not to choose how we want to be baptized. We're not supposed to choose how we tell religion tells God what God has to accept. I know people that baptize by sprinkling, by pouring. There's some that do it three times forward. There's people that get baptized three times backwards in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost and come up spitting and spewing. Amen. Uh, God didn't say you had to do it three times. Now, I'd rather him doing three times the right way than one time the wrong way. But I find nowhere where Jesus was baptized three times. All right? Uh, but I will say this. Symbols are important to God. 
How many of you remember in the book of Exodus? There were two young men. They were uh, uh, Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu. Nadab and Abihu burnt strange incense on the altar of incense in the tabernacle one day. And God came down and killed them. There was a specific recipe of incense that was to be burnt. You say, why? Because that incense was the representation of the prayers of the people of God going up to be sweet in the nostrils of God. It was to be ever burning. They changed it one day because they didn't like it. I don't know what they changed it to. It does not matter. I do know this. They did not obey God with it. And God said, okay, I'll kill you. And they died. Now, wouldn't you think that that symbol was important? I think they get the recipe right the next time. I think we ought to obey God with the baptism symbol that he's given us. We ought not decide how we think it ought to be done. We ought to do it the way God said it ought to be done in the word of God. And every time it's mentioned in the Bible, it talks about being buried with him in death. Hmm. Now, if Jesus himself went into the water, went under the water, and it says came up out of the water in the likeness of his resurrection. Now, what happened to Jesus when he died? He hung there. He died. They buried him and laid him in a tomb. Three days and three nights later, he got up out of the grave and he resurrected and came up out of the grave. Is that not what the picture of baptism truly is? Death, burial, and resurrection. Buried in the likeness of his death, raised in the likeness of his resurrection. And you don't get that with a bottle of water. You don't get it with uh, the holy water, the holy cow, or the holy mother, or the holy whoever. No, it's not holy water. Came right out of the same well that you drank out of the drinking fountain. We didn't pray over it. It does, it's, you can't put holes in water, amen? So, baptism, by definition, means to be buried or to be immersed. Number two, I've got to hurry. Baptism is the first step of obedience to God after salvation. It is not part of salvation. Go to Acts chapter 2. You're in Romans, go back to the left, one book of the Bible, Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, look at verse number 38. Acts chapter 2, verse number 38. Then Peter said unto them, Repent, which means get saved, and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus for the remission of sin shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promise is to you and your children. Now watch this. Uh, skip down to verse 41. Then they that gladly received his word. That's what? Salvation. Salvation. Were baptized. And the same day. 
there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Now look at me. It doesn't say that 3,000 got saved. It says that 3,000 got baptized and joined the church by their baptism. They were saved and they were baptized the same day. They didn't have to go through classes. They didn't have to be approved by boards or churches. They didn't have to uh, go before a committee and answer all kinds of questions. No, they got saved and they got baptized the same day. Uh, Go to Acts chapter 18. Acts chapter 18. Acts chapter 18, look at verse number 8. And Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his house, and many of the Corinthians, hearing, believed and were baptized. Then spake the Lord to Paul in night by vision, Be not afraid to speak, hold not thy peace, for I am with thee. He said, Don't hold back, Paul, just preach her plain. Just let her fly. Just preach it true. <laughs> I got a phone call to the church today. Somebody wanted to know a little bit about our church. And I sometimes I love those calls. Sometimes I hate them. It's either duck or pucker. Because you're not sure what's coming next. They said, now, I, I've seen on your website. And I thought, well, that's good because I don't even look at it. But uh, they said, now, uh, what, 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 what Bible do you use? I said, we only use the King James Bible, 1611. It's the only preserved, inspired word of God for the English-speaking people. If I say that and they say, oh, good, we're in good shape. Or if they say, oh, okay. I know what that means. But I get it out of the way. You say, are you worried? No, they ought to be the ones worried, not me. This lady said, oh, good. I thought, wow. She asked me some other questions. They're just like us. They're getting ready to retire, move to this area, but they wanted to find a good church to move to. I said, well, you don't have to call anybody else. You found the right one. She said, you sound just like my pastor. I said, good. He's a good man. (laughs) Notice it says they believed and were baptized. Go back to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. Look at verse number 12. This is about the Ethiopian eunuch with Philip. Philip's preaching a revival service. God stops the revival and says, I want you to go out in the desert. There's a, there's an Ethiopian there that needs to, needs you to talk to him. Philip leaves the preaching service, goes out to the desert, finds this Ethiopian man. Look at verse number 12. But when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized both men and women. Then Simon himself believed also, uh, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wondered, beholding the miracles and signs which were done. Now notice, men and women are getting saved and baptized. Notice baptism always follows getting saved. It's not part of, it follows after. Skip down to verse number 36. Acts chapter 8, verse number 36. And as they went on their way, they came to a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. And what doth hinder me to be baptized? Now, this this eunuch says, What's stopping me from getting baptized? 
What is the answer that Philip gives? Verse 37. And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart that thou mayest, if thou believest all thine heart, thou mayest. In other words, if you got saved, you can get baptized. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still. And they went both down into the water. Both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. If he was going to sprinkle him or pour on him, they could have stopped at the roadside puddle. They went down into the water. It was baptism by immersion. Notice it followed, well, are you saved? Yes. Well, if you're saved, then you can get baptized. Stop it. We can get baptized right down here. Let's go. And they stopped and did it immediately. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. We'll look at two verses here. I'm going to read one other verse to you. 1 Peter 3, look at verse number 20. 1 Peter 3, verse 20. Which sometime were disobedient when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was preparing wherein a few, that is, eight souls were saved, the like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us, not putting away the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now notice, Noah and his family weren't saved by baptism. They were saved from the flood by getting into the ark by trusting God. The water followed the trust in God. That's what God's telling us here. Now, Mark chapter 16, I'll read one verse to you. You need not turn there because we're going to turn to some other verses here in just a little bit and give your fingers a rest. But Mark chapter 16, as soon as I find it here, I'm in the King James Bible, so I know it'll be here. Mark 16, verse number 16. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. But he that believeth not shall be damned. Oh, that teaches then that you have to be saved and baptized. No. Did you notice the second half of that verse? He that believeth not shall be damned. It's not the baptism that saves. It is the belief that saves. The baptism is the outward public expression of that. Uh, Just like I could get married to my wife without ever wearing a wedding ring... But that's how you know that you're married. That is that outward symbol that everybody recognizes. Everybody doing okay? All right, hang in there. Here we go. Number three. It was also part of being a member of the church. Baptism was part of the church. It was the, it was the, the one thing that you did to join the church. Now, In our day, you don't have to get baptized every time you change churches. Uh, Back then, people didn't move like they move today. 
and, and I get that. But Jesus did not need to be saved, but he started the church and needed to join the church. Why would you not be a member of something that you started? Uh, when my wife and I started Grace Baptist Church, the second Sunday I think we had is Charter Sunday. I joined Grace Baptist Church. I was the pastor. I joined the church. Everybody doing okay? When my kids left to go to Bible college, every fall when they would go to Bible college, I told them, you go to Brother Fugitz and you join the church. First week you're there. Join the church. But that, I said, I don't care. You're only going to be there nine months. Join the church. He'll be your pastor. You need a pastor. I'll not be your pastor while you're at college. So they would go there, join the church. They'd come home for the summer. They'd join the church here. They'd go back to college, rejoin the church. Say, that's kind of silly. No, that's the way God intended. Am I doing okay? Uh, my son Jeff decided to go for a year, went for a year, decided he wasn't coming home, didn't want to go to any more college, so he was just a good church member there. That's fine. I was glad Brother Fugit was his pastor. Anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself here. John the baptized, Baptist baptized Jesus. So when Jesus was baptized by a Baptist preacher, what did that make Jesus? A Baptist. The Baptist church is not a Protestant church. Please let me teach you something here. The Protestant Reformation that took place in the 1500s by Martin Luther took place as a protest against the Catholic Church. The Lutherans pulled out first. Then you had the Episcopalians, you had the Presbyterians, you had the Methodists, you had the Nazarenes, you had all these that came out of the Protestant Reformation. All of those churches came out of the Catholic Church. They were never independent of themselves. They came out of it, reorganized it the way they wanted, but it's still structurally much like the Catholic Church. You have your Orthodox, Greek Orthodox, uh, and we could go through all of them. By the way, when you go to the book of Revelation, it talks about the mother of harlots. The mother of harlots is the Catholic Church. And it says one day that the harlots, her children, will come back to her. Look how many of the Protestant churches are running back to the Catholic churches. They're in agreement with them. Baptists have been here since the time of Jesus. Now, in the Catholic church, they have something they call it the apostolic, what do they call it, apostolic secession or succession or something like that, that everything goes back to the apostles. Well, I go back farther than that. I go back to Jesus. Well, number one, the Catholic Church didn't start till 330 under Constantine. That's 300 years after Jesus was crucified. There was no such thing as a Catholic prior to 330 under Constantine. Council of Nicaea Constantine came out and said, I saw a burning cross in the sky. God was telling me to start my own religion. 
And if you read Constantine's own words, he said, I had the power over the people politically, but I did not have it religiously. I wanted more power, so I started a state religion so that I could have more power and more influence over the Roman Empire. To this day, the Catholic Church is a state religion. The Vatican is a city-state The Pope is its own ambassador to its own country, which gives him political influence around the world. I am not a political figure, and the world ought to be thankful. Uh, I have no business running politics. Now, I have the right to influence, but not... uh, By the way, you follow the Catholic Church. You show me a country where the Catholic Church is dominant... And I'll show you a poor country. I've been to Monterrey, Mexico in the uh, Cathedral of Guadalajara. You walk into the church and it's in the altar down front and it's a huge, magnificent building. The altar is solid gold. The place is immaculate. Mexico is about poor as dirt. The beggars who beg for food and alms out at the front of the church, every day the priests come out and look through their things and take the church's portion of that from them. They have to pay their tax to the church for begging in front of the church. I'm just telling you what I've seen with my own eyes. (laughs) You ought to pass out Spanish gospel tracts in the the Catholic church down there. The Holy Father gets pretty upset, let me tell you. I couldn't tell if he was cussing or not, but he sure was saying a lot of words real fast. Jesus was baptized by a Baptist. The Baptist church goes back to Matthew chapter 3. 16 with Jesus when he said upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it the one who baptized him was a Baptist and the Baptist church goes all the way back now please listen to me I'm going to say something that's very sensitive some of you are somewhat knowledgeable in this area you will have a very hard time tracing Baptist history all the way back to Matthew chapter 16 Baptist history has been preserved by splits. Nothing stays pure all the way through. And what has kept the truth and kept the Baptist church alive and going are splits throughout history where wrong leaves or right leaves wrong and starts elsewhere. It is the splitting of something that keeps it pure. That's why you're not supposed to marry your sister or your cousin. It is the splitting of things that keeps the reproduction of it pure. Everybody understand that? So you say, well, I know, I know people that follow Baptist history. Yeah, I do too. But if you follow it through the wrong point of time in history, at any one turn, if you followed it at the wrong uh, generation, you're going to end up way out in left field. There is no one true path that you could show all the way through history because there's all these many little splits here and there, here and there, here and there, here and there, all the way through that kept 
everything alive, pure, and true. Look how different Baptist churches are just in this area. Just because it says Baptist doesn't mean it's right. So, Jesus wants us to be part of the church, a member, so that we can enjoy the blessings and benefits of the church. It is the only institution God promised divine perpetuity to. He said, as long as you do it my way, your church will always keep continuing the right direction. Grace Baptist Church, this church could stay true to the rapture if we keep doing what the Bible says and not what we say. That's why I believe a Bible college or a Christian school ought to come under the auspice of a church, not a conglomeration. I don't think that you start a Christian school and say, okay, all you churches participate. Well, we'll just have a school and there'll be no pastor ahead of it. Oh, no, 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 no. I don't believe in sending young people to a Bible college to train them in, in, the, in the church building process to a Christian college that isn't under the auspice of a Baptist preacher. Sorry, I know what I'm talking about here. You want to know why our Christian schools are a mess right now? I'm going to say it. Because we're getting our curriculum and we're training teachers at colleges that are non-denominational. Then we bring those non-denominational curriculums into our churches and train our young people in them and send them to the college that provides that curriculum and we wonder why those Christian school kids never go back to a Baptist church. I'm talking about Pensacola and Abeka. Pensacola is not a church. I said it. I'm not saying that it's bad, but I will tell you this. <laughs> it's, it's not under the church. It's never been promised divine perpetuity. And I could show you things in there that you'd be upset with. Everybody doing Okay. I'm having fun right now. By the way, the curriculum, ACE curriculum, comes under the auspice of a church in North Carolina. It comes out of a church. A Baptist pastor oversees it. That's why we use it. Everybody doing okay? All right. I got to hurry here. <sighs> uh, it's a place for us to give tithes and offerings. It helps, it's a place for us to give worldwide, to worldwide missions. It's a place that God wants us to join. Mark chapter 1, verse number 4, Acts chapter 2, verses 41, 47. If baptism is obedience, then being a church member should be obedience too. Number four, people can go to heaven without baptism, but they should obey what Jesus wants. Just because you don't get baptized doesn't mean you don't go to heaven. But I don't know about you, I'd like to go there obedient, wouldn't you? Now, turn to Luke chapter 23. Matthew, Mark, Luke, Luke 23. Let me show you one verse here. I'll make a couple statements, one other verse, and then we're going to be done. Luke 23, look at verse number 39. Jesus is on the cross. He has a thief on one side. The Bible uses the word thief or the word malefactor. And one on the other side. Look at verse number 39. And one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. 
But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost thou not fear God, seeing that thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Let me ask you a question. Did that guy have the ability to get down off the cross and get baptized? Hmm. So he went to heaven or Jesus is a liar. He never got baptized. Now he got saved in the nick of time. And he still went to heaven. Am I correct? Yes, sir. All right. The thief couldn't get baptized or join the church. But Jesus said, this day shalt thou be with me in paradise. That day had only a few hours left. That day, Jesus died and they broke the legs of the other malefactor. You say, why did they break the legs? They broke the legs because in order to breathe while you're hanging on the cross, you have to push yourself up to inhale and let yourself down to exhale. You can't just hang there because the weight of your body would crush your, 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 your diaphragm. So they had to keep pushing up. If they broke the bones in their legs, they could no longer push up to breathe and they would suffocate themselves quicker. That's why they had to hurry and do it because the Sabbath was coming. And they couldn't be hanging on the cross being murdered by capital punishment legally and be hanging on the cross. If they were still alive at sundown, they had to be brought down and let to live. So they would go through and break their legs. When they came through, the Bible says that Jesus shouldn't have a bone broken. They saw he was already dead. That's why they thrust the spear in his side and threw his heart and water and blood came out. Proof that he was dead, the water, the cardi cardio sac around his heart uh, ruptured and it came out with the blood. Now, let's turn to Hebrews chapter 10 and I'm going to be done. Hebrews chapter 10. Again, some of this is review for many of you, but I promise you, some of you, this is big league instruction and it will help you. Hebrews chapter 10, look at verse number 16. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and their minds will I write them. And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Now where the remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. In other words, when we get saved, God puts away our sin and chooses never to remember them ever again. Correct? Look at verse 19. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Christ, by a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, through his flesh. And having an high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart 
in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies, what's the next word? Washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but so much the more. But exhorting one another so much the more as you see the day approaching. And it's talking about the church here. In other words, that washing is the baptism. That water won't clean your sins. It won't. But there's something about what it does to you spiritually. Please listen to me, and I'll finish with this. If we do it God's way, I find people who struggle with their salvation often never got baptized after they got saved. When someone gets saved and then they get baptized, it seems like they then have full assurance of their faith. They have the ability to say, God, I did it, and I did it enough, I'm willing to obey you, and you take that first step of obedience, now I got it. There's nothing magical about it. I can't explain it all, but I can tell you this. I've, I've, I've been with a lot of people. Oh, I'm not sure I'm saved. I'm not sure I'm saved. I'm not sure I'm saved. What did you do to get saved? They tell me, good. Did you get baptized? No, then let's take care of that. They'll take care of their baptism, and from that moment on, everything's sealed. It's kind of like, uh, I call it the pre-wedding jitters. Am I really doing right? Am I really doing right? Am I really doing right? I do. I uh, hope I did right. I hope I did right. Yeah, I did right. Y'all know what I'm talking about? There was that little bit of doubt till you actually did it. That's kind of like what baptism is. I don't know how else to explain it. There's nothing magical, but I know this. If you obey God and you follow the process God set down doing it his way, you're more apt to have full assurance of faith. Full assurance of faith. Baptism doesn't save. It follows salvation. It's not part of salvation. It's not part of the gospel. Baptism is not sprinkling, pouring, or spitting, or anything else. It literally means to immerse. It's a picture of the death, the burial, and the resurrection. Jesus went into the water. He came up out of the water. We are to be buried with him, and you don't get buried by somebody sprinkling spoofle dust all over you. It takes water deep enough to submerge or to immerse you. That's what baptism is. Every head bowed, every eye closed.